Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being, reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Server Member Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. I would love to know how long you've been chanting. How long? How long have you been chanting? Um, what time is it? <laughs> Just a few years, probably about 40. Um, I really started chanting when I got to India. And uh, one day, I guess it was in the fall, probably September 1970, uh, we were in a little town up in the mountains. And uh, I was walking around this crater lake, beautiful, incredibly beautiful spot. 
and I was walking past a temple, and uh, I heard this chanting coming from inside. And it was like, you know, it was like a call from the beyond, you know. It was like, I knew I stopped in my tracks. I actually was, I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. And I was just standing there like this. And I probably would still be standing there. But some guy walked by on his way into the temple. He said, oh, come on, come with me. You can come in. <laughs> so I walked in and I sat down with this bunch of guys. And they were just wailing. I mean, it was extraordinary. I never heard anything like this. At least not in any temple on Long Island. That was good. <laughs> Fun with me too. They would go, come on, sing. And they were singing something which I later realized was the Hanuman Chalisa. At, at the time, I didn't even know what a Hanuman Chalisa was. And later on, though, I realized, and they, after every verse, they would repeat this one, after every couple of verses or something, they would repeat this one verse over and over again. And they would look like, come on, come on, sing. And I don't know what they were singing. And they would laugh like that. <laughs> they were having a great time with me. But it was just like all the lights went on at that moment. You know, I just, this is it. This is what I want. And you got to understand that uh, when I went to India, I was never going to come back to America. I had left everything. I just gave everything away, sold my car. I gave my jeans away, my, sold my record collection. And um, so I wasn't collecting anything for the future. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't a teacher training. <laughs> it was just life. And uh, I thought, this is what I got, I got to sing. I got, this is what I have to do. So whenever I could find chanting going on, I would go there and just sit there. And gradually I started to learn a little Hindi and learn a few words and and one place I never thought I'd be would be back in America. So, but you know that's 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 life. You know, change. Nothing but changes. And now you think you know what's going to happen. We live as if it's always going to be like it is now, and then you hit something and everything changes. So, but that's that's. That's what it was. And you know, the funny thing is my guru, he never taught formally. He never like really told people what to do except to go away. <laughs> he said, go away is my mantra. That's, in Hindi, it's jiao, jiao, tum jiao, you go. That was, you know, people would come and they go, oh, Baba, we've come from so far. We traveled for days to get here. Acha, very good, jiao, now go. Take, no, he would say, take food, then go. He fed everybody, everybody, he fed everybody. So it was extraordinary immersing myself in, in, into India at that time, you know. MTV hadn't hit yet, you know. So most of Indian culture was still running the way it had been running for quite a few years. Modern civilization hadn't really really hit fully. The telephones didn't work. They had one channel or two channels on little black and white TVs. You know, they, you know, they, were, they were about 50 years behind America. I'm right behind the West. 
So there was still, especially up in the mountains where I spent most of my time, there was a lot of, uh, the traditions were still very strong. You know, people got together every day, every week, and sang together in the villages. That's what they did for entertainment. Now, they have guys that go around, well, now they have satellite TV. But after, somewhere in the 80s, guys started going around and put, set up a tent and showed movies, Western movies. And, that's, and Indian culture just kind of started to crumble. And it's still crumbling, for the most part. So, yeah. Yeah. I just sensed that uh, I needed this, you know. I needed to chant. I, I, whatever was in the chant is what I wanted to find. I felt something, where it was coming from, or what was inside of it. And I just, you know, it was too very strong. And I'm, I'm really, seriously, I, I'm really still a beginner, you know. I'm, every day I sit down, I learn, every time I sit down, I learn something else, or something else changes, or something, a new moment appears and gets dealt with in a new way. And it's, every day is new, every moment. And, um, but what's gotten deeper over the years is, is the power of the practice to extricate me from my story. As soon as I do it, my story becomes just a story. And the way I chant is very simple. I mean, there are many, chanting is taught by many different groups and, and in many different ways. Some of them want you to visualize a particular deity. Some of them want you to do it with the breath. Some of them want you to stand on one toe and, you know, who knows? I simply say, sing. When you notice you're not paying attention, come back. That's all you have to do. And if you can do that, you won't, wanna, you won't have to do anything else for the rest of your millions of lives. There's, uh, that's all you have to be able to do is pay attention. Anytime, anywhere, to anything. The ability to pay attention is what's required to find what you're looking for. That's all. That's the only thing you need to be able to do. And it's very simple. You sit down and you notice that you can't pay attention. You're all over the place. So you find you have to find something to kind of hang on to. It's kind of like a halfway house, you know? You, you're out of jail, but you don't know what the fuck to do with yourself now. Okay, let me, uh, you go to a halfway house, they teach you how to like, you know, take the bus and or like, it's like you've gone to a, a new country where they speak a different language and everything's different. You have to, somebody has to show you. This is how you get a bus ticket. This is how you take the tram. This is how you eat. This is what a hamburger is in vegetarianism. <laughs> so anyhow, it's... Um, see, I, I'm depressive. I, I spent most of my life unhappy. This is, my, this is my natural state of mind, or my unnatural state of mind. Unhappy, not happy, not at ease, not at peace with myself, hard on myself, all that stuff. So obviously, I'm looking for a way to liberate myself from those kind of feelings and those kind of thoughts, which are torturing me, or tortured me more than they do now. So I don't, you know, and I'm not very smart, so I can't study anything, right? I, I don't know nothing. I never learned anything in my life. But I've 
trained myself to be able to do this practice. That's it. This is what I do. This, and maybe I could pump gas if they taught me how. <laughs> That's about it. So, so over time, and the thing about this, the spiritual path, the real progress happens very slowly and under the radar. You might have nice peak moments, but don't try to hang on to them, please. That would be ridiculous. You can't hang on to anything. But you can, with, your, with intelligent will, continue to do a practice that helps you, release you from the, the, the whatever way you describe your particular version of suffering in this life. Everybody would tell themselves a different story about what hurts them and how they are. Whatever that story is, you need to liberate yourself from that. And only to doing a practice regularly over time. That's the only way to do it. You can't think yourself out of a box or a prison that's made of thought. Every thought, the thought itself is the prison. So, a certain amount of intellectual understanding about the general direction that you're moving is good. Hearing about saints and great beings who have accomplished this, reading about them, seeing how they lived their lives, what did they talk about, what did they do, how did they accomplish what they did, you know, it gives you kind of, it starts to bring a confidence that this is real, you know. Right now, we don't really believe this shit's going to work. Let's face it, come on. If we really believed that asana, pranayama, meditation, chanting worked, to, and when I say worked, I mean made us happy, brought us joy, put us in touch with the real thing inside of us. If we really believed that was going to happen, it's almost as if it already happened. It's kind of like when you go to a party, you know, and you meet somebody, and you're kind of like, mm, how you doing? Okay. And like you start flashing on each other, you know, and so the, you're, this woman, say it's a woman, she, she gives you her number, she says, well, why don't you call me sometime? Done, deal. You go home, you feel like you've already been in bed with her. <laughs> I mean, you've already, you're fantasizing, it might as well have happened. So it's already happening. In your mind, it's already happening. You're already happy. You're anticipating your, it's happening. And then when it really happens, that's okay. Then you, it's already almost over. So. <laughs> so the point is, like say she gives you her number, right? Then you take it home, right? And you write it on your hand. You email it to yourself. You put it on your write it all. So you don't want to lose it, right? And you wake up in the morning. And you wait until it's appropriately cool to call, and you call, and she says, well, why don't you come over, right? Boom, right? Wow, okay. What do you do? You don't, you don't like say, ah, maybe I'll go shopping first. You get over there as fast as possible. <laughs> because you know this being is waiting for you. This, that's called faith. If we were doing these practices with the understanding that it's all there, it's waiting for us, it's going to happen, it's almost as if it happened already. And because of that feeling of, of, of um, 
almost, it's called like intelligent anticipation. I mean, you can, you know that these practice works. It's, it's helping you right now. It's going to help you more over time. You're going to accomplish what you need to accomplish to find yourself and live a good life. You, if you knew that, right now would be completely different. This moment would be totally different. And all we lack is, and it's one of those words that make Westerners nauseous, faith. Not faith in something outside of ourselves, something up in the sky floating around on a cloud. Faith in, our, in ourselves, confidence in ourselves that, we, that this is real and we can do this. This is going to happen. Done deal. I'm on the way. That changes everything. It changes the way you live in this moment. And then in this moment, you stop filling it with all kinds of crap because you don't need that crap anymore. So then everything gets lighter. The next moment gets lighter. And then the next moment's lighter. So, but we're in a situation where we're doing this stuff, but we don't really think. Let's be honest. Because that's a good thing to be. We don't really know what, the, what we're doing. <laughs> I'm trying to be good. I got a letter from a woman in India who said, Krishna Das, I read your... So I heard your workshop online, and I, you know, in, saints don't talk like that. <laughs> I said, you're right, they don't. Except my guru happened to have the dirtiest mouth in the three worlds. I'm just trying to be like him. But if we really believed this stuff worked, it would be a very, we would inhabit our lives in a very different way. Really, we wouldn't seek so much, you know, we wouldn't get caught so much in the space outs, in, in, in the dream world, in, 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 in gapping out, in, 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 what do they call it now? It's something I've always done, but now everybody else is starting to do it. Uh, when Netflix puts the whole series on at once, you know, and you can sit there for 40 hours watching the whole thing. <laughs> And you don't have to eat, drink, sleep, or do anything except watch the TV. They, there's a pertinent word for that, they call it. No, it's a, it has to do with watching television for, anyway, whatever. So we, we would just really, we wouldn't have the same need to uh, anesthetize ourselves so much. And cut ourselves off and gap out. If we really knew, if we really believed that this is real, that, that what we're looking for is real. And that belief, that will happen to each one of us from the inside. One day, you just go, oh, somebody will say something, you'll meet somebody, a teacher or something, or you'll read something in a book, and all of a sudden, the doubts that you have just become, they just float away. It's not like you figured anything out, but the doubt disappears. The doubt disappears. And that's very big, a very blessed occurrence. Because our doubts, you know, we think all the time. All we do is think. All day long, all night long, all life long. We just think, 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 think. And what's even crazier is that we actually believe everything we think. <laughs> How many people of you, how many of you actually question your thoughts? Like you wake up and you say, ah, I feel like shit today. Wait a minute. Why? <laughs> you don't. You just 
feel like shit. That's the way you do. You don't say, why do I feel like shit? Right? You never question that. Or if somebody looks at you kind of weird and you think, why don't they like me? You never doubt your own perceptions of things. We think everything we perceive, think, and feel is absolutely real and right and accurate. And that, my friends, is the definition of insanity. (laughs) But we're all insane. That's the problem. And we're talking to people who are just as crazy as we are, so nobody can liberate us. But every once in a while you run into something where all of a sudden you go, whoa, this is different. You know, this something hits you in a certain way, and then you know. Until that moment, we have to take the teachings that come to us and use them and try to understand where they're coming from and how they help us and how they work and what we can do to help ourselves. Spiritual practice is not an end in itself. You're not trying to develop another another ego uh, shape of yourself. Now I'm a yogi. That ain't going to help. It's not going to help. Spiritual practice, it takes time, and it's a ripening practice, a ripening process. You can't, it's not like hitting a nail on the head and watching it going on into the wood. It's not like that. You cultivate certain qualities. You cultivate the ability to pay attention. You start to think about different qualities of the path that they talk about. Kindness and compassion, equanimity and happiness. You know, it's not required that we be unhappy to be on the path. It's not required. And at one point, you, you kind of get over that. You recognize that maybe your dissatisfaction brought you to these practices, which is good. That's what dissatisfaction is for. That's why Buddha came out of the jungle and said, Oh, monks, stuff sucks. It doesn't make you happy. He said, There is suffering. That's all he said. The first thing, there is suffering everywhere in life, 24-7, 365, every being in the universe suffers from one thing or another. And uh, solving that issue, when when that issue is solved and resolved, that's liberation. And then he went on to say, this is the cause of suffering, this is the path that leads to the end of suffering, and then. So, one way or another, we're all here because we are somewhat aware of, our, of this first noble truth of suffering, of discontentment, of frustration, of not having enough of what we want, of having too much of what we don't want, of recognizing how hard we are on ourselves and how, what a rough time we give ourselves, how we judge ourselves very harshly, how we cut ourselves off from, from our own love and from the love of other people and our inability to love and extend ourselves to others, the fears we have, the shame, the guilt, 
all the stuff we carry around so closely to our hearts. So if we're on this path at all, it's because we're aware of something, some part of that story, and we want to be free of that. And there's nothing more noble than that desire to be free. How you live, like I said, spiritual practice is not an end in itself. It's a way to develop the strength to live a good life. Right? To live a good life, a complete life. A life that's not locked up behind walls of our own, essentially our own projection and imagine, imagining. You know what they say. She's not here today, so I can say, when you're in love, the whole world's Jewish. A woman last day said, well, I thought it was when you're in love, the whole world's Sicilian. <laughs> the point is, when you're in love, the whole world is just the way you want it to be. Everybody's in it. Nobody's out of it. And that's where we're headed. You know, if you think you're going to start doing pranayama and asana and go to a cave in the jungle, let me tell you something. There's no AC in those caves. <laughs> There's no TV. There's no phone. There's nothing except bugs and mice and rats and snakes and monkeys and tigers and all that stuff. You're not going to like that. It's good. Our good karmas, our positive karmas, gave us a nice place to live in a fairly decent country where we, where we pretty much know where our next meal is coming from. Do you realize how rare that is in this world? Does that ever occur to you? How many people on this planet don't know where their next meal is coming from? But even stuff like that doesn't make us happy. It doesn't make us feel gratitude. We take it for granted and... We keep giving ourselves a hard time. So it's the giving ourselves a hard time that has to stop somehow. In one form or whatever form or another, we do it to ourselves. It has to, it has to come to an end. And really, whatever gets you through the night is what you have to do. Nobody can tell you what's going to work for you, what the best thing for you is. Who could tell you that? Think about it. You know? A liberated being might be able to tell you, but they usually don't. They usually make you find it yourself. Which is how you learn. 